Welcome everyone to Moving Mountains. Today I welcome Jennifer Lebedev, also known as English for Jennifer, an indie author of being a YouTuber, one creator's bumpy road to 1 million subscribers. With her November 2022 publication, she is initiating a conversation about redefining success. By opening up about the struggles she encountered as an online creator, she shares an authentic story with a message for everyone. To learn about this message, we welcome Jennifer to Moving Mountains. Welcome, Jennifer, to Moving Mountains. Thank you for having me. Today, we're featuring your book, Being a YouTuber, One Creator's Bumpy Road to One Million Subscribers. Behind that, there's a story as you being an instructor, an educator, and also a connoisseur of foreign languages. Could you get us started on how were you put on the path to become a language instructor? Sure. I've always taken interest in other cultures, um, but originally, I actually thought I was going to teach Russian. I started studying French in school, um, and then in college, I took interest in Russian and also a little bit of Japanese. I knew I wanted to teach. I got my certification in Russian, and then I went on to do graduate work. And while I was doing my graduate work over in Russia, I decided to take a part-time job teaching, teaching English. And that's when I really discovered what I should be teaching. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, um, but I thought I was going to teach Russian. I ended up teaching English as a foreign language over in Russia. When I came back to the States, I got recertified and became an ESL teacher. I teach English as a second language. And again, here's another instance where I thought I was on a certain path, but it shifted. Um, I was a classroom teacher. And then 2007, I transitioned out of the traditional classroom. And that's when I came online and started discovering all kinds of possibilities. You studied French in high school, and there was the epiphany and experience that you went through that inspired you to give future students a different experience. What was that? You know, when I was studying French, I was a very diligent student. I received good grades. I did everything my teachers asked me to do. And then I went over to France and I realized I couldn't understand and I couldn't talk. And I thought, okay, something isn't quite right here in the language learning experience. And I wasn't quite sure what, but it made me more determined to become a better language learner. And then eventually there became that that desire grew inside of me to help other people learn languages for real communication. I want them to speak confidently and effectively in English, not just speaking, of course, writing too, but it had become, uh, the frustration was part of, I guess, the, the, the beginning part and what led to the inspiration to become a language teacher, to help people learn languages, have a wonderful experience studying languages, but ultimately use their studies towards real communication. 
on average, how long does it take for you to create a teaching, a lesson plan for new speakers? Oh, that's an interesting question. Each student is a, is different. <clears throat> Learners are different. And although I have a general teaching style, I would say I modify my approach. And there's not a single lesson plan that I can reuse exactly as is. So when I move from student to student, things change. They flow. It's rather organic. I, I really teach to the students. Um, for example, there's a few, there were some experiments on YouTube where I taught people live. It was unscripted. I knew what the lesson topic would be, but when we pressed record, the lesson just evolved. And I taught based on their output, I would change my strategies and lead them through exercises and meaningful production. Um, so I've teach in different contexts. I do teach one-on-one. -on -one. I also teach in small groups. Um, a lot of people study with me for 30-minute lessons. Some people book an hour lesson. But, you know, once you become more confident in, in your craft as a teacher, you don't spend too much time on the lesson planning. You can do a good lesson plan in about maybe 15, maximum 20 minutes. Depends how much original content creation you're going to do. You are blessed to represent a heritage of a few different cultures from being a child of Filipino immigrants, Polish, Serbian, and Hungarian cultures that are also infused mm -hmm. in your life. And then you were also exposed to foreign languages as Tagalog and Polish while growing up. Mm -hmm. At what point did you start absorbing the languages and deciding I am going to apply it in how I live my life? Oh, well, again, missed opportunities. Um, also, didn't understand what was around me, the opportunities that could have been there. Um, you have to understand the full context. Uh, my father did come from the Philippines, and he learned English as a second language. He learned it very well. Um, I did hear him speak Tagalog to relatives over the phone, but he had the wish for us, his children, to speak English uh, fluently, confidently, effectively. Um, he did not teach us Tagalog, but it was only later in life that he actually apologized for that because I did express some interest at one point, but he didn't want um, us to learn Tagalog at the time when we were children. Um, the world was different back then, and uh, he really worked really hard to establish himself as a professional. Um, and I guess he didn't want any obstacles for us in terms of languages. Um, so I heard Tagalog express some interest, but I wasn't able to learn it. Um, we also didn't have as many resources back then. There was no internet in 70s, 80s. Um, with Polish, my grandmother actually did mix English and Polish. So she would speak a little bit to us, um, you know, telling us what to do if there were household chores or making comments. So I understood passively, but didn't use it actively. Again, it wasn't really until like high school where I, this desire started to form where I, I wanted to use the language for something. Um, I started learning Russian on the heels of Perestroika. If you remember the time of Gorbachev and yeah. Glasnost, it was an exciting period. And um, I received this wonderful gift on Christmas about a day in the life of the Soviet Union. And I started looking at those photos with fascination and thinking, this is nothing like what they're showing us in movies and elsewhere. It was different. And that these people looked warm and inviting and welcoming. It's like a, 
was very different to see it that way. Um, and when an opportunity came up in high school <clears throat> to take a trip with other high school students over to the Soviet Union, I jumped at the chance. My parents supported this and I went over. I didn't only knew a few words in Russian at that point. But again, going over there, making contact with people, um, not just with organized events, but just chance encounters here and there. It was such a wonderful experience and got me so excited. And I came back and decided I want to learn Russian. I really want to be in contact with the people that I've met. And it really excited me. The culture was fascinating. The history was also very interesting. And language was beautiful to my ears. And um, yeah, that's just really grabbed me first. And then other experiences happened in my life too, where Japanese took my interest. Um, so, you know, having real contact with people from those countries really can spark a desire to communicate in their language, to really understand them. Earlier, you referenced, Jennifer, uh, your teaching style. How would you describe your teaching style? Um, <laughs> I guess one thing that characterizes me is my positivity. Um, I really put a lot of emphasis on how we feel because if we're not comfortable, learning cannot easily take place. And my tagline in my videos is happy studies. At the end of my lessons, I usually say, as always, thanks for watching and happy studies. And I really mean it. I want the studying experience to be a positive one. And once I feel that I can establish that positive learning environment, then teaching can happen, communication can happen, we need to make a connection with each other. So I want to establish positivity, I want to um, create a, a comfortable setting, I want to establish trust, and build that relationship with the learner so that we can communicate, um, you know, honestly, genuinely. And uh, I'm a whole language teacher, I approach all skills, I, I address all skills, reading, listening, speaking, writing. Um, so I'm a teacher, sort of, I have this holistic approach, but I give a lot of emphasis to um, the emotional aspect as well. I want to make sure my students are comfortable, having fun, enjoying the experience, and feeling confident in applying what they learn. Because you work with students live and online, from your observation and given your sample population, do a lot of your students are they visual learners or do they rely more on the auditory medium? Again, um, it's interesting to teach through video because there's the mass audience. And of course, there are many types of learners out there. Um, so in my videos, I try to make it possible to learn different ways. Um, there are those who are very visual. So I make sure there's text. I also have naturally as a teacher I start using my hands a lot so I think facial expressions use of the hands not just to um, look lively but I actually make use of my hands when I start teaching about grammar my hands naturally take on this other language um, sort of giving uh, an illustration of how I see certain grammatical units fitting together for example so there's that visual component um, and then of course this goes back to the feeling that I'm trying to create, the environment I'm trying to create. Um, it could be you know, my, my tone of voice. It could be the music that I choose, um, trying to create this whole package that resonates with different types of learners. Speaking of videos, when did YouTube come into your life? Was it overnight idea <laughs> that you woke up with or did someone recommend you to consider giving YouTube a try? 
Yes, it was just a suggestion. Um, 2007, YouTube was quite young. Um, and I had heard about it, kind of curious, not sure about it. And the suggestion was made, why don't you try posting something on it? And I took a look and there were some people making um, contributions, but no one was posting like a full lesson, what I'd call like, you know, with presentation practice <clears throat> in the invita invitation for production. And um, so I put a few videos out there, uh, small, short lessons that had a lot of um, explanation and then some practice. And the response was very positive from the beginning. It was not a plan of mine to do this <laughs> uh, long term or, you know, to turn it into a full time job. But the response was so positive that it excited me and I wanted to explore more. So what became an ex what started out as an experiment became something much more than that. And it, it did become my online work. I transitioned then from the traditional classroom to um, the online environment. And YouTube then opened other doors as well. Some people who desire to have a YouTube channel they're either very aspirational, but what are a few reality checks that mm -hmm. you could share with existing, but more so new creators? Yes, um, I can. People are coming on with plans. Unlike me, I did not come online with a plan. Um, you do want to know what it is you're going to be offering. Who is your audience? You have to have that defined in your mind. Um, it's doesn't have to be something so broad. Perhaps you do need to narrow it down. What's your niche? And I think one of my um, tips that I give in my book too is knowing who you are and being comfortable with that. Um, I had seen an article, I think it was on an NPR, about um, your inner rock star, specifically for teachers. But anybody in front of a camera does take on that role of performer. And you need to be comfortable with who you are as a performer, um, what it, what is your personality and how do you want people to see you? So channeling your inner rock star, your inner rock star is about becoming comfortable with um, what you're able to deliver and knowing that not everybody out there is going to like what they see. For example, there are many different teachers and people can choose who they wish to study with. If there's um, different cooking channels, they will jump around from channel to channel and they'll be looking for the kind of content they want and also the kind of, um, let's say, cooking host, for example, that they would like to learn from. So you offer the best version of yourself to your audience and hope that it resonates with a lot of people. But again, one hard lesson to learn is that not everyone is going to like you. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, there's, there's choice involved on YouTube. People can go from channel to channel, just like we change channels on the TV. Um, but you hope that, you know, whatever you offer is going to be received well by a number of people, but it won't be received by everybody. What part of the bumpy road did you encounter leading up to the 1 million subscribers? Because that is a lot of people. It is, it is. And again, it's all about perspective. Um, somebody can look at the numbers and say, wow, a million, that's a lot. And we all know that there are channels out there with more than a million and more views. So it depends how you look at it. Um, but the bumpy road doesn't have to be a 15-year journey as mine. Perhaps even somebody on YouTube for a few years can experience those bumps. Um, they come about for different reasons, but I wanted to open up about some of my struggles because I think there are struggles that other people have. They're similar, and you don't hear too much about them. 
um, online on social media, especially on YouTube, all we see are each other's channels and, and vibrant thumbnails and happy, upbeat live streams. But the struggles can be, for example, work-life balance, um, trying to find the time for yourself, trying to find time for self-care. <laughs> and it's very exciting to build a following, but it can also take a lot and you can work to the point of depletion. You have to be careful about that because if you really want to deliver top quality, you have to take care of yourself. And that's something that I've really struggled with of how do you give your best, but also you know, maintain your health so that you can do it long term. Um, I've struggled with the work life balance. That's the biggest chapter in my book is struggling with the work life balance, um, trying to find time for everything. <clears throat> and the truth is, it's all trade offs, you, you cannot have it all. That's one of my messages, you will have to decide sometimes um, when to pull back and when to dive in. Um, that's that's part of being a YouTuber, if, especially if you're working alone. If you do not have a team and you're a one-person show, you have to design it in such a way that you can sustain it. How were you able to cultivate that type of confidence to go out on YouTube <laughs> and bring yourself here 15 years down the road? Um, goodness. I think confidence comes into play in different ways. Um, I can say that when I was growing up, I was known to be quite shy, actually, um, which is quite funny. I was also a cheerleader, by the way, for eight years. And you might think, oh, really? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> but I was very shy. And here's the difference. When I was cheering, I was performing and I knew I had a role. And in that role, I could step up and be outgoing and project my voice and do everything I needed to do. But when I wasn't in that role, took off the uniform, I could be very quiet. And I'm mostly an introvert. <laughs> um, but again, teaching is a role for me. It's a hat, one of the hats that I wear. When I'm a teacher, I step up and then I can temporarily <laughs> be an extrovert and I get my boost of energy and I enjoy it very much and I can perform. But again, when I'm not wearing that hat, I become very quiet <laughs> and more hesitant. Um, so I, I'm a mix. I'm a mix of um, being an introvert and being an extrovert. And when I have a role and I feel a sense of purpose, then the confidence comes to me because the purpose drives me forward and I lose my shyness because I know there's something that I want to do. There's something I want to achieve. And I also think that in my line of work, I'm working with people who also need a great amount of courage because learning a language takes us way out of our comfort zone. And for people to communicate, open up and perform in a second language also takes a high degree of confidence. So by seeing them take their steps and make their efforts. It inspires me to do my best as well as a teacher. So it's a two-way street. I'm, I'm so fortunate to be a teacher because I get inspired and I inspire. I build their confidence. They build my confidence. It, go, it, it goes back and forth. As a teacher, because you speak several languages, what language do you think in? I am not a polyglot, um, so I feel confident and comfortable in Russian. I know a little bit of other languages, but I wouldn't um, 
call myself fluent in them, but they, those knowledge of that language, um, those different languages help me. Um, the knowledge helps me as a teacher so that I can understand what my students are facing and um, what difficulties they may. Um, but I am American, I think in English, um, having lived over in Russia helped me. Um, and now I'm working with tutors to keep up my Russian and they help me continue thinking um, in Russian, but uh, mainly I think in English, but I keep up my Russian because I think it's a lot of fun just to test yourself and pull yourself in a different direction. Um, so I, I do have fun um, putting on that hat of a Russian speaker. Your YouTube channel also traces back to the platform you host, EnglishWithJennifer.com. There are plenty of resources for teachers, students. How has that platform changed over the course of, let's say, the last decade? Is there a certain demand for certain types of services that you provide today? They've always wanted some form of instruction. I've experimented in trying to find the right fit for the greatest number of people. So for example, I still have all my public videos on YouTube and then I branched out into Instagram. And so that's the greatest thing that I can give right now is a, a collection of free resources to anyone with internet access. And then for those who want paid instruction, I still offer one-on-one -on -one and I still have one student to this day who, who likes to study through Skype. I use different platforms. Um, Zoom is very comfortable for me, but I've also used different platforms to run group classes. So people do like the live interaction. Um, it's, it's a way for me to give feedback and to give meaningful production, especially for speaking. Um, I've experimented over the years with different courses from um, creative writing courses to um, self-paced courses for writing. Uh, so I usually I like to experiment <laughs> to see what people need. Um, but I've always, since 2009, I've taught one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think that need will ever go away. People do enjoy um, the one-on-one -on -one instruction and the way a teacher can customize each lesson. It, it, it's, I personally enjoy it. It's, it's one of um, the most valuable aspects of my teaching is teaching one-on-one. -on -one. I develop long-term relationships with many of my students. In your opinion, what makes a foreign language teacher good? Oh, a lot of things. It's like putting together um, a list of ingredients for a good recipe. Um, empathy, understanding, patience, the ability to explain, knowing your content, um, not necessarily being a native speaker, but having very, very strong proficiency. Um, it's something that I've promoted, something that I continue to promote, um, that there are different teachers and teachers bring different things to the table. Um, I do think there's value in studying with native and non-native um, speakers of English. I think that the teachers need to know their content matter very well and have the ability to um, communicate it to their students. Um, creativity <laughs> is a big plus because there are materials online, but in the flow of a lesson, um, you might need to modify um, or even before a lesson, if you're creating um, exercises, then you're doing that um, in creating original uh, materials. So creativity is, is a big plus in teaching. But also then I feel that it's important to empathize with your students. If for me, for example, my native language is English, um, it's very important for me to remember 
what it's like to be in the role of a learner. So it's just yet one more reason why I take my Russian lessons to this day um, so that I, I stay in touch with the experience of a learner. But I also do that in different ways. I like to explore and, and try new things. Like last year, I started Tai Chi. Um, you know, many years ago, I experimented by taking roller skating lessons. It's really good to take yourself out of your comfort zone and put yourself in the role of learner again and try to pick up a new skill so that you can remember how much courage it takes for people to learn English as a second language. That is a very humbling wisdom, but I've also heard that it helps us flow through life better Mm. trying out and living outside the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And finally, as we start to wrap things up, as we're featuring your book, Being a YouTuber, One Creator's Bumpy Road to One Million Subscribers. What would you like future students to know about foreign languages? That it is a beautiful process. It takes a lot of work. There's no denying that. But it can be a wonderful, happy, positive experience. And it takes two sources, it, the teacher or the sources. Of course, you, you can tap into resources out there. But ideally, you want it to be an experience with other people. Learning with other people makes it all the more um, productive and exciting and meaningful because language is for communication. You want to communicate with other people. Hopefully, along the way, you'll have some teachers and tutors and fellow learners who will support you, encourage you, and also help you um, master the language. Uh, it should be a positive experience. You need to bring your best to the game. And hopefully, if you're working with a teacher, they're bringing their best. And it needs to be a positive experience. It should be a positive experience. You, there will be hurdles, there will be pitfalls, there will be mistakes. Um, but with the, the support being constant, it can be a positive experience. Um, happy studies is what I say. It's a journey. Um, we're all going through different journeys in life. And it's up to us to make sure that it's a positive one. Um, it's not so much about that final destination because it takes a whole lot longer to travel the road. <laughs> when you actually get there, you might actually realize the journey's not over. And that's the thing with language learning too. There is no point where you say, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it doesn't work that for me to learn. Is there anyone that you would like to thank that has contributed to your professional well-being? I, even when I hit that milestone, the first I thought was to share it and thank um, all the people who study with me. First and foremost, it's every single learner who's made the choice to study with me. Thank you. Um, I, I can't be a teacher without someone to teach. <laughs> so to all the learners who've ever chosen to study with me for a single video or long-term private lessons, I, I thank them for giving me a purpose um, in my life. And also for all the colleagues who've collaborated with me, supported me, recommended my videos, I, I thank them as well. It's it's a wonderful journey that I've had, and it's been a bumpy road, but without people to inspire me and support me along the way, it just wouldn't have happened. So I thank all of them. And finally, Jennifer, are there any new projects that you're working on that you would like to share with the audiences? 
Although there are different things. I'm, I'm a creative soul, so uh, things get me inspired along the way. Um, I always look for new forms of collaboration too. So in March, I'll be collaborating with a platform called Amigo to run a speaking club, which is a way for people to come and get speaking practice for about five weeks with me and with each other. That'll be fun. I always like a new platform. And I'm also going to be experimenting with audio materials this year. So I've already put together the first and um, it's a collection of some of my favorite poems. And I look forward to sharing that in the near future. It's a collection of me reading my favorite poems. And um, there'll also be a nice PDF to go along with it with notes and questions for reflection. And the audience should know that Jennifer's book is not only available on Amazon.com, but on her platform, EnglishWithJennifer.com. Jennifer, thank you for enlightening us on Moving Mountains. Thank you.